If we take the world's enduring religions at their best, we discover the distilled wisdom of the human race. Houston Smith. This sentiment must have been strong in the inquiring minds who, in 1892, attended the Chicago's World Fair. Beyond introducing Americans to juicy fruit gum, it was one of the first times Americans were introduced in a public way to the exotic religions of the East. And you can probably imagine the spiritual excitement around not only the greater understanding of the collective wisdom of humanity, but of the potential spiritual secrets may be held in the unknown lands, healing arts, knowledge of spiritual beings, or perhaps even a path to immortality, or just a way to talk to the dead. Today, although the spiritual ideas that have derived from other lands have helped many of us greatly, I think it's safe to say that they don't offer any more insight into the great mysteries as the teachings of the culture of our origin. They simply may offer a fresh perspective or a more inspiring insight because we haven't judged or misconstrued it or been spoon-fed it by control freaks. As true at heart as any religious philosophy may be, certainly there are crazy fundamentalists distorting and making it toxic. The beginning of wisdom is never outside ourselves, but is born of our own curiosity and willingness to not know, so that we can know something, even if only the confirmation that we don't know. To thus claim an ownership of wisdom is to become anti-wisdom and pro-control. No religion owns wisdom, and no religion, that I know of anyhow, doesn't have some wisdom-owning fool that dilutes the inner truths and turns them into lies. In the 1800s, a movement called spiritualism took hold in America. Psychics and mediums would do all sorts of seances and events. You might wonder why so many people would get into such a thing, but what would you do with no radio, TV, YouTube, or Facebook? And this interest in the occult piqued people's interest into the great mysteries and new spiritual ideas. Not only were there so many more dead people to try to talk to during the Civil War, but how could the idea of a new religion or enlightenment not somehow pique at the collective consciousness of the forming of a new nation? Probably the most famous or infamous of the spiritualists was a woman known as Madame Blavatsky, part of her charm being that she brought with her a knowledge of Eastern philosophies and an intellect that attracted rich and powerful people. And this all led to the starting of a religion of sorts called Theosophy, what we would now call the New Age movement. It had an influence on people like Arthur Conan Doyle, who created Sherlock Holmes, and Frank Baum, who wrote The Wizard of Oz. It influenced their work as well. Later it would be how Gandhi would come to truly discover his own Hindu roots. Blavatsky had a lot going for her. She was wise. She was charismatic. She was a mystic. But she was also a fraud. She claimed to have spent years studying with masters in the mountains of Tibet, which for a woman of her stoutness was hard to swallow. She was exposed for using strings and projecting false noises to create spiritual effects, and she claimed to channel certain divine beings who revealed things only to her. It was so interesting that when someone would do something to upset Blavatsky, that just then the masters would decree to her a statement damning that particular person. It reminds me of another great American mystic who lived during the same time, Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon faith. Smith would regularly receive and have dictated revelations from God, and reportedly he got the following revelation after being confronted by his wife, a powerful Emma Smith, about her concerns over Joseph's evolving ideas on plural marriage or polygamy, and asked if she would be able to take other husbands too. Joseph's revelation, and I command mine handmaid Emma Smith to abide and cleave unto my servant Joseph, and to none else, but if she will not abide this commandment, she shall be destroyed, saith the Lord. I invite any of you to try that next time your spouse won't go along with something you don't want to do. No matter how grand we may find new spiritual ideas, we must always remember how easy it is without clarity and commitment to err to misinterpretation. 
I think Madame Blavatsky and Joseph Smith were fraudulent at times, yes, but does that mean I discount all of their revelations and ideas? No. This would be based on the idea, again, that wisdom or truth can be owned and can be embodied by flawless beings. Perhaps it is this mistruth that leads to so many wise mystics and causes them to behave like dumb stooges. To again quote world religion scholar Houston Smith, Understanding, then, can lead to love, but the reverse is also true. Love brings understanding. The two are reciprocal. So we must listen to understand, but we must also listen to put into play the compassion that the wisdom traditions all enjoy. For it is impossible to love another without hearing that other. If we are to be true to these religions, we must attend to others as deeply and as alertly as we hope that they will attend to us. After Blavatsky died, her work was taken on by a woman named Annie Besant, an amazingly impressive woman who was also very important in the fight for women's rights. And one of the things Besant decided was that the faith needed a messiah. And they chose a young boy from India named Krishnamurti, and the organization became known as the Order of the Star. And this young boy was raised and groomed to be the next messiah, and his whole life he was told he was to be the next great world teacher. And all this being said, it is quite amazing what Krishnamurti did. In one of his first public and official messages to the Order of the Star, he quit. He, in a way, dissolved the religion. And he had a message, and it was this, Truth is a pathless land. He said, I maintain that truth is a pathless land, and you cannot approach it by any path whatsoever, by any religion, by any sect. That is my point of view, and I adhere to that absolutely and unconditionally. Truth, being limitless, unconditioned, unapproachable by any path whatsoever, cannot be organized, nor should any organization be formed to lead or to coerce people along any particular path. If you first understand that, then you will see how impossible it is to organize a belief. A belief is purely an individual matter, and you cannot and must not organize it. If you do, it becomes dead, crystallized. It becomes a creed, a sect, a religion to be imposed upon others. Krishnamurti's words didn't really free him from his messianic ordainment. He became a kind of anti-messiah, and people pretty much followed him anyways. As a young person, I'd meet hip grandmas and such who had a collection of Krishnamurti books. Eventually, he became another popular name in the wide frontier of New Age-type spiritual thinkers throughout the 20th century. Some more words from Krishnamurti? You are accustomed to being told how far you have advanced. What is your spiritual status? How childish! Who but yourself can tell you if you are beautiful or ugly within? Who but yourself can tell you if you are incorruptible? You are not serious in these things. But those who really desire to understand, who are looking to find that which is eternal, without beginning and without an end, will walk together with a greater intensity, will be a danger to everything that is unessential, to unrealities, to shadows, and they will concentrate, they will become the flame because they understand, such a body we must create, and that is my purpose. I think we learn just as much about the collective wisdom of humanity by looking not only at the good in our religions, but also in how we can make them bad. Religions should teach us truth, but at their best, they also teach us to discern. You must understand the whole of life, Krishnamurti said, not just one little part of it. That is why you must read. That is why you must look at the skies. That is why you must sing and dance and write poems and suffer and understand. For all that is life.